Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our good bishop. We always like to start with the Angelus. Bishop, do you have any intentions for us for today? Yes, we continue in October, Respect Life Month, but I'm also thinking, since we're in the midst of the Share the Journey campaign, that we especially remember in our prayers all those refugees and migrants throughout the world, all those who've been displaced from their homes. Let us pray for them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, And she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail, Hail Mary, Mary, full, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to your word. Hail, Hail Mary, Mary, full, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, your grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ your Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Bishop Kevin Rhodes, Bishop of Fort Wayne South Bend, talks about two newly launched campaigns in this episode, the annual Bishop's Appeal and Share the Journey. Then the Catholic Guild and Special Masses available in the diocese for various professions. Afterwards, Bishop will answer questions submitted by listeners. To submit your question for a future show, go to RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman. Thank you for being with us, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Great to be back. We have uh, launched the Bishop's Appeal. Uh, the video is available. If people haven't seen that, uh, you can find it at dioceseffwsb.org. It's available in English, also in Spanish. And you do your own voiceovers for the Spanish version. I do, yeah. Really, that multicultural theme is a big part of this year's Bishop's Appeal. Can you explain the theme? Yes. The theme is, we, though many, are one body in Christ, mm -hmm. taken right out of St. Paul, who often spoke about us as members of the body of Christ. We speak of it as the mystical body of Christ, the church. And this year, we're stressing our unity in diversity. As St. Paul talks about how there are many, we're the church is composed of people of all different races and languages and ethnic groups and the differences, the different gifts that the different members of the body bring are all important and yet we're all one. We're mm -hmm. all together and that's the beauty of Catholicism, that we are one body in Christ. We're a universal church. So the video this year highlights that unity and diversity. It looks, for example, at our African American Catholics, our Latino American Catholics, our Asian American Catholics. And, you know, we've been traditionally a church of immigrants and mm -hmm. continue to be a church of immigrants. 
but the beauty of our oneness and faith. And that's, I think, highlighted really well in the video this year as we look at the different cultures the diocese promotes through its various works and its ministries that are supported by the Bishop's Appeal. It supports all of these different ministries to serve all members of the body of Christ. In the video, every year, it was only able to highlight a little bit of what the Bishop's Appeal money goes towards. Can you explain maybe a, a little bit about what some of the organizations are that the Bishop's Appeal supports that people might not be aware of? Well, first and foremost, the diocese itself. All mm -hmm. the ministries and offices of the diocese, all of our different apostolates, the Secretariat for Catholic Education, the Secretariat of Evangelization, the Secretariat of Communications, the, the uh, Secretariat of Temporalities, which includes our business office, the tribunal. All the different offices that we that we run, salaries to pay, we have activities that we run. Some of the money goes to support Catholic charities, and that's always highlighted. We also give smaller grants to a lot of different Catholic organizations that um, do the ministries of the church, and they're highlighted sometimes in the videos. Some of the money goes to support our four Catholic high schools and the diocesan subsidy to those high schools. So the whole diocesan budget really is supported by the Bishop's Appeal, as well as the assessments that we that are assigned to every parish. And our people are so generous every year. I think we're able to do so much because of the, the goodness and generosity of our people who recognize the importance of our mission, mm -hmm. the church's mission here in Northeast Indiana. Well, and really, we talk about racial and ethnic diversity, but there's also such a diversity in the types of ministries that are happening all over the diocese you just mentioned there. Uh, but so many different little things that people might not even be aware of are run by or sponsored by the diocese. Exactly. I mean, for example, how many people know all of the different projects that Catholic Charities is doing, you know, yeah. everything from the resettlement of refugees to direct aid to people in need, to counseling services for families, to um, getting jobs for senior citizens. Hmm. There's a lot of good works being done. And of course, we try to get the word out so people know what exactly their gifts are supporting. I mean, think of the area of communications. I mean, we have, besides the diocesan newspaper, Today's Catholic, we have presence on social media, we have all kinds of ways in which we're trying to spread the gospel and the Catholic faith. That's all supported by, by the Bishop's Appeal. Is this typically how dioceses do their fundraising is through an appeal like this? Yeah, I'd say the majority of dioceses do. One thing we're fortunate, we're, we have such a good, good results from the Bishop's Appeal that the subsidies that we charge parishes are much smaller than, are, are smaller than what are charged to, in most other dioceses. Hmm. But the fact that we're able to be so successful in the appeal, that helps our parishes. And then anything that a parish makes over their parish goal goes right back to the parish, which is a great incentive for parishioners. Yeah, I know several parishes will share what they are using that additional money for, and it's always able to fund something that they've been working on or hoping to, to provide. When you do the video, how long does it take for your part of the video? <laughs> That's a good question. When I started, it's produced by New Group Media. Great organization they do a really professional job and when i started it was like a whole day affair 
many, many different takes. And I think maybe that's how it was with Bishop Darcy. Well, I didn't have that kind of patience. It's gotten <laughs> shorter and shorter each year. I mean, I might do a couple takes, uh-huh. but I don't need it to be perfect. So what used to be like an all-day affair probably is like two or three hours now. Uh-huh. And <laughs> At least my part of it. And you're doing uh, brainstorming on what the theme is going to be every year. When does that start? Usually, like around now, I'm thinking about what next year's theme will be. And I'll just think about it and pray uh-huh. about it. And I'll th- I always take something from Scripture. Yeah. And something will hit me in prayer. Like, I was thinking about that. Last year, I chose this theme of one body in Christ. And I thought, wow, since I chose that theme, just think of the lack of unity, like the polarization in our country and all that. I thought, this theme is very providential, the theme of unity. Yeah, even since I'm sure the video was done by the time that all the information about DACA came out and the uh, the different things that have been happening in the country. And so it, it really does seem very appropriate for this time that we, we really reflect on this theme. What do you yeah. hope that uh, parishioners in the diocese think about or pray about during this time? I think it's good that there is this spiritual dimension to the bishop's appeal. I encourage people to prayerfully discern what gift that they'll be giving to the to the appeal. But also, I've always hoped that it's an opportunity to reflect a little bit on our faith, especially the theme of the appeal each year. And to try to take that, I love that, to take like one sentence from scripture mm-hmm. and kind of try to live it as your word of life and let it sink in sink into our minds sink into our hearts and this whole theme this year is something beautiful to meditate on that we though many are one body in christ and individually members of one another Mm -hmm. saint paul says when one member of the body suffers we all suffer our hearts should be touched for example by the suffering of the people in from the earthquake in mexico mexico city or our brothers and sisters whose whose livelihoods have been destroyed by the hurricanes in in certain areas in Puerto Rico and the Caribbean and parts of Florida, Texas, we should feel as part of the church, feel for the members of the body who are hurting right here at home in our own diocese, but also in other places of the world. And that's the church. I mean, we are one body, members of Christ and members of one another. Well, and St. Paul says that we need each other. One of the lines that always has struck me in that passage is, the parts that seem to be weaker are all the more necessary. Right. Everyone's life is a gift, a gift to us, to the whole church. I'm, I'm so moved when I go around and I see, for example, people and or children in particular with disabilities, and yet what a beautiful part of the community they are and how much joy they can bring. And they are opportunity for us also to show love and to receive love. Mm -hmm. So I think those are the eyes that we want to have when we look at one another. We praise God for the diversity and for our unity. The theme also seems to be like a great segue into this uh, proposal that Pope Francis had, this Share the Journey, which started on September 27th. Uh, which kind of speaks to the same theme. Can you explain what Share the Journey is? Yeah, Pope Francis launched Share the Journey a couple weeks ago. And on that day when he launched it, bishops throughout the world, including myself, did something concrete. 
to show our support for refugees because that's what share the journey is all about it's it's a campaign inviting everyone around the world to take care for those who live as refugees and migrants and i visited with two burmese families who are immigrants refugees who are now uh, living in Fort Wayne, resettled by our Catholic charities. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to meet with them to offer a word of welcome, but also to hear their stories. Mm -hmm. And it really is incredible when you hear the stories of people living in really dire straits in refugee camps, displaced, sometimes because of war, sometimes persecution. Could be because of dire poverty, a, a natural disaster. We can think about people displaced by the recent hurricanes, etc. Well, what Pope Francis is trying to get the whole world to not only be conscious of the refugee situation, but to open our arms to those who've lost their homes for those different reasons that I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. So to share their journey in a sense, it's part of the command to love our neighbor that really it's a global responsibility. So he's calling upon the whole human family to recognize so many people who are suffering because they've been displaced. So that's what the Share the Journey campaign is all about. This is probably the largest number of displaced people, of refugees and migrants in the history of the world. Hmm. It's about 65 million people wow. who are displaced. So it's kind of a staggering number. So Pope Francis wants us to, to strengthen the bonds with migrants and our communities. The campaign, by the way, is being run by Caritas Internacionales. That's kind of like a global confederation of 165 national Caritas groups. They're Catholic. It's, it's really the ca charitable arm of the Catholic Church. And in the United States, we have two Caritas groups, Catholic Charities, which provides services for the poor and the needy in our own country. And the other Caritas group we have is Catholic Relief Services, which is the Bishop's Overseas Relief Agency. And we operate in over 100 countries around the world. And of course, we do a lot of work with refugees and migrants. As a matter of fact, right now, Catholic Relief Services is, is doing a lot, of, a lot of work with refugees from South Sudan both those who are still in South Sudan, but also those who are living in refugee camps in Uganda who have fled the war and the violence in South Sudan. So we could talk a lot about this, but it's a huge issue in the world today. Well, and the fact that this is a two-year program really seems like there's uh, like a, more of a long-term goal than trying to just do something real quick. Let's go out and do a weekend and get to know our refugees, but really investing in this issue. What do you think the goals are for a two-year program like this? I think it's because it is a an issue that's going to be ongoing. And I think there's a lot of fear of the stranger and hmm. sometimes indifference, perhaps, and I think what the reason is two years is this is going to be an ongoing problem. I mean, wars continue. Conflicts seem to be increasing. Poverty, environmental destruction, all these things, natural disasters that have led to the displacement of peoples. And we just can't, like, let them fend for themselves. I mean, mm -hmm. if we are 
one body in Christ, if we are brothers and sisters in the human family, we have a responsibility for our brothers and sisters who are in need. And we need to find, provide really safe harbor for refugees or people seeking asylum because of religious persecution. And that's why the church is very outspoken on this issue. And we have a rich teaching. One of the things I'm hoping in this Share the Journey campaign is that Catholic social teaching on migration will be studied more and will be learned more by our people. We have resources for parishes and for schools. As a matter of fact, right now we're in the midst of a special week of prayer and action for migrants and refugees lasting from October 7th through October 14th. So all these ways are, are ways for the church and individuals, parish communities to get involved to address refugee and immigrant concerns, advocacy, all the things that are needed to care for this great number of people who are hurting. We need to show gestures of mercy, gestures of solidarity, generosity, and also work for justice. Mm -hmm. One of the phrases that comes up in the descriptions for the Share the Journey campaign is the culture of encounter. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I think that's a great term that the Holy Father uses because sometimes we live in a culture of alienation where we look at others as maybe sometimes as numbers where we really, you know, the whole idea of sharing the journey, it's great to get to know people in these situations. I hear sometimes anti-immigrant rhetoric. And I think mm -hmm. to my, when I'm listening to someone saying, I say, have they ever really met immigrants? I mean, we have immigrants here in our own diocese and refugees, beautiful people who the circumstances of their life were such that they, they came to our country sometimes to flee violence, sometimes extreme poverty, sometimes their lives were at risk. I was meeting with some Central American young people who had been, by the way, under DACA, who um, really their parents wanted them to come to the United States because in their home countries in Central America, they were at risk because if they didn't join a violent gang that was involved in, in drug trafficking, they could be killed. Mm -hmm. And these are good young people. So I think we have to look at the personal, the individual uh, situations, and not just look at it through a lens, some kind of political, ideological lens, but the lens of the gospel. That's our calling. Do you have any uh, either suggestions or maybe even a mandate that you have for the people of this diocese to get involved with the Share the Journey, uh, resources or something that we should be doing or reading or learning about? Yeah, well, right now we've, we've provided the resources for our parishes and schools okay. because really this takes place on the local level. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that all of our parishes and schools are getting involved in the project, in the campaign. There's a lot of good resources. Certainly prayer is central to this. We mm -hmm. should be lifting up our immigrant and refugee brothers and sisters, lifting them up in prayer, but then also acts of solidarity. And there's a lot of things in that area that we have as suggested act activities. I think, for example, of our collaboration and work in support of Catholic Charities. I've been encouraging parishes, for example, to adopt a refugee family, that when we are resettling a refugee family through Catholic Charities, to have a 
for example, a parish to adopt a family to help them in their transition to this new culture and new country. I think that's a very concrete way. We can also help the refugees who are overseas through our support of CRS. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes people say, well... Why doesn't the church help people in their own countries? Well, the church does help the people. I mean, the great majority of refugees are not coming to the United States. They're in their home countries. I mentioned South Sudan as an example. I could mention Syrian and Iraqi refugees who are in camps in Lebanon and in, in Jordan. And Catholic Relief Services is very involved. For example, these kids, you know, what about their schooling? Well, we're providing education for a lot of these children who otherwise because of being displaced would not be receiving an education and this is how we encounter them if you have a personal opportunity to meet refugees or immigrants that's great but even if not through social media and all that one can learn all right well thank you so much bishop coming up we'll have more we'll talk about some of the special masses, a few of the special masses that happen here in the diocese and take questions submitted by listeners right here on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop and wanted to take a moment to talk about this kind of season. We have a few special masses. I know you've got special masses all the time, Bishop, but one of the things that you do occasionally in the diocese is special masses for special groups and one of them is for the medical professionals you do a white mass there's also things for people in the legal profession with red masses and i don't know i've heard things about other masses happening in other dioceses and things i don't know if we do them here like a blue mass notre dame has a blue mass oh do they okay yeah yeah All right. Well, can you explain what some of these special masses are? Yeah. I mean, some of these go back centuries and some are rather recent. I think the oldest is the the Red Mass. The Red Mass goes back to the Middle Ages, I think the 13th century. It's really a mass celebrated now for judges, lawyers, law school professors, law students, and government officials. And it's called the Red Mass because the celebrant wears red. As a, for, because it's a votive mass of the Holy Spirit. And when we celebrate a mass of the Holy Spirit, we wear red vestments because of the fire of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. okay, the tongues of fire. So anyhow, what we do at the Red Mass is ask the Holy Spirit's guidance of those in the legal profession, those who seek justice, work for justice. As I said, it originated in Europe in the, in the Middle Ages. It spread throughout the world. We have a very famous Red Mass in Washington, D.C. every year, and members of the Supreme Court usually attend that. It's celebrated, I think, usually at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception or maybe at St. Matthew's Cathedral in D.C. Okay. But it's a traditional Mass. Now, here in our diocese, we celebrate a Red Mass in Fort Wayne and in South Bend. And I always enjoy that. As a matter of fact, I just had them a week ago, celebrated them. And it's a great opportunity to preach on some aspect of of the legal profession and, and how our faith is connected to that and how, especially to reflect on, you know, the responsibility of our government officials, lawyers and judges to be faithful to God's law as the divine law and the natural law as the source of all just human laws. So it is a good, very good, and, and we have a St. Thomas More Society in Fort Wayne mm-hmm. that helps with the planning of the Red Mass, and I'm happy to say we're just beginning a St. Tom Thomas More Society in the South Bend side of the diocese. Oh, good. 
You mentioned the white mass. That that's not as ancient. That I think only began in the uh, 1930s. Hmm. And the reason it's called the white mass is it's the color worn by those in the medical profession, like the the white lab coats or whatever, the mm-hmm. healing profession. So white mass is celebrated for those who work in healthcare, asking God's blessing upon doctors and nurses and other healthcare workers, physicians, surgeons. Usually the mass is associated also with St. Luke, who is the principal patron of physicians and surgeons, and his feast day is October 18th. The white mass is either celebrated on that day or, or sometime in October, not always, but usually. And then there's something that I only learned about kind of very, very new, I think maybe last year, the gold mass. A mass for scientists. And I just read about this recently at MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in the chapel there. It's in Massachusetts, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. There's the Society of Catholic Scientists started this. They use the color gold because gold represents the alchemy of science. And it's the color that's worn at graduations on the hood of those who receive a degree in science. And they kind of try to have it on the Feast of St. Albert the Great, the patron saint of scientists, on November 15th. But I don't know whether that'll catch on. Yeah. That's very new. I mean, this could go on and on. Yeah. I even read even more recently about a, an olive mass. Have you ever heard of that, Kyle? I did. I actually uh, did an interview with Father Leo Padalinghug, who started that up. Okay. And that's yeah. for restaurant workers, right? Yeah. And, and people in the hospitality industry in general, the people that serve us. As we celebrate, so why is it called? Let me be the the uh, interviewer now. Why is it called the olive mass? <laughs> I think it's just a color that's also a food. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love olives, but yeah. black olives. Yeah. So I, so do they wear black vestments? I, I doubt it. <laughs> that could be awkward. <laughs> oh, we didn't mention the blue mass. Blue yet, mass, right? That's yeah, um, there is a blue mass celebrated annually at at the Basilica of the Sacred Heart at Notre Dame. I'm not quite sure how long this has been a tradition. I think it might go back to the 1930s also, just like the white mass. But it's for those in the field of public safety. So it would be police officers. I guess that's why the blue, Mm -hmm. the uniforms, but also includes firefighters, corrections officers, EMS personnel, 911 operators, first responders, etc. So I think it's great. It's an opportunity for the community to give thanks to all those who serve us in these in these important occupations, these important professions. So it's very interesting, all these different colored masses. <laughs> and I'll mention several of those have already happened. The uh, red masses were earlier in October. The white mass that's happening here in Fort Wayne will be October 14th. And people can find information about that at medconfortwayne.com. I'm really hap- happy. I want to mention we have Catholic medical guilds now yeah. in both Fort Wayne and South Bend. And both of those are involved in the planning and organization of the White Mass. The medical guild in Fort Wayne is called the Dr. Jerome Lejeune Guild. And they are the ones who are sponsoring Dr. Grodi coming to give a talk. So it'll be should be a really good day. Everyone's invited. Yeah, that's prior to the mass. Again, that's at medconfortwayne.com. People can find info on that. Uh, also, we have some other kind of business organizations. Legatus is kind of geared towards 
uh, owners of larger businesses and they have events that they do regularly. These different guilds and or organizations in our diocese, uh, what do you think is the benefit of having them and having these special masses? You know, I, I really think Legatus is a great group for CEOs and all and business executives. What it does is it helps them to integrate the faith with their profession, to live their Catholic faith, to live the gospel in their particular occupations or professions. And I think that's great because otherwise we can tend to compartmentalize our life. Like, okay, there's the church over here, there's my job here, there's the family here. No, it all should be integrated mm -hmm. into our faith or our faith integrated into all those aspects. So this is a way for people to come together who are in a same or similar profession. So they have the common interests, the common experiences, but they're also Catholic and they can share with one another and learn from each other how to live and practice their faith in their chosen profession. Would you like to see more of these in other niche kind of areas of study? I haven't really thought about it. I was very eager to have the Catholic Medical Guilds on both sides of the diocese. I was very happy and encouraged the formation of the St. Thomas More Societies, both in Fort Wayne and South Bend. So we were really successful. And now that we have these two guilds on each end of the diocese, one for lawyers, one for doctors or healthcare professionals. So I kind of was the one who, who really encouraged the people to get these started. Mm -hmm. And I can see the good fruits. I don't have to do any of the work. They're working together, yeah. which is great. And they have chaplains, priests who I assign to help them and to give some spiritual direction, spiritual guidance. To be honest, I haven't looked beyond that. I was happy to welcome Legatus into the diocese because I knew the great work they were doing all over the country and dioceses all over the United States. But I'm always open to new ideas. Maybe uh, the Catholic radio people would be a very small group. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of colored mass should it be? Um, Maybe if, if orange is still available, we could take that one. <laughs> I will take purple, your sock color. <laughs> All right. Well, coming up, we are going to take questions that were submitted by listeners. You can submit your questions at RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop, or you can call or text the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. And we've got more coming for you on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop, and it's the time of the show where we answer questions submitted by listeners. And one of our listeners submitted the following. Unfortunately, I missed the past three Sunday Masses due to my back injury. Can I receive communion or should I go to confession, then receive communion? Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for that question. No, if you miss mass because of a of a back injury, you're excused from the obligation. You know, if there's illness or injury like that that prevents one from going to mass, one is excused from the from the Sunday or holy day obligation. So one does not have to go to confession before receiving communion in that situation. Another question submitted was, my friend asked if Mary was born without original sin. I did not know how to answer it. 
Yes, she was born without original sin. That's the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, that from the first moment of her conception in her mother's womb, Mary was preserved from the stain of original sin. And that's by the grace of God, foreseeing the merits of his son's passion and death. So, yes, it's a beautiful, beautiful dogma. There's a lot of beautiful writings on the mystery of the Immaculate Conception. And, of course, Mary, under the title of the Immaculate Conception, is the patroness of the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend. All right. Another question was, what role as bishop do you play in Catholic education? Well, I have a very important role. I'm responsible, really, for the Catholic identity and mission of all of the Catholic schools in our diocese. We have, as you know, four Catholic high schools and I think 38 Catholic elementary schools in our diocese. So it's up to me to make sure that the Catholic faith and our teachings, our moral teachings are, are lived and communicated. So the bishop really has the duty to watch over Catholic schools in his territory. Now, some of them are not under my direct governance. All of our elementary schools and Catholic high schools are under my direct governance, okay. my direct authority, but some are not. For example, our Catholic colleges are not directly under my judicial authority. Okay. But all, in all order, of them? All of them. None, okay. We don't have any diocesan Catholic college. Okay. They're all associated with religious institutes. That's congregations of religious. And... I think all of them now are governed by primarily lay boards of trustees, but the bishop is the one who allows them to use the title Catholic. So okay. therefore, a bishop should be seen as a, as a part of the community. Pope John Paul II wrote a whole apostolic letter on this called Ex Corde Ecclesiae, which talked about the Catholic mission of Catholic colleges and universities. And he talks about the role of the bishops, that the bishop shouldn't be seen as just an external agent, but as an integral part, an active member of the universe, Catholic university community. Sometimes tensions do arise here and there, but I'd say on the whole, I have a good relationship with the Catholic college and universities of of this diocese i'm very grateful for their work their mission i'm very involved in the life of, of the catholic colleges and universities in our diocese but i don't really have decision making authority when it comes to any of them okay well when we come back we're going to have more questions you can ask your question at redeemerradio.com slash ask bishop you can call or text the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. And more of your questions will come up right here on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman, and we're answering questions submitted by listeners. The following question came from one of our listeners, said, How do we know what kind of music is appropriate for Mass? That is a very good question because sometimes it's a matter of controversy in parishes. What kind of music and instruments are appropriate in the Mass? Because people have different tastes. Mm -hmm. However, I think it's important to look at what the church says in its uh, teaching about music at the liturgy. Mm -hmm. It needs to be sacred music. It should be something that fits the liturgy that raises our minds and hearts to God in prayer. And the church has a very beautiful treasure of sacred music. 
that we should preserve and foster. The Second Vatican Council really encouraged us. And the church has always acknowledged Gregorian chant as especially suited to the Roman liturgy. We see something of a comeback of the use of Gregorian sure. chant in some parishes. And really, it should be given pride of place according to the Second Vatican Council in liturgies. But there are other kinds of sacred music besides Gregorian chant. There's polyphony, and some of our choirs are very beautiful. As far as instruments, the pipe organ has always been, has been held in high esteem as a especially suitable musical instrument to be played at church ceremonies. And other instruments can be used as well, are suitable for sacred use. But I think when we look at music, we want good quality music, both in the area of the music itself, but also in the words of the hymns. It's really important that the lyrics be true. Mm -hmm. In other words, that the lyrics not contain anything that's against church teaching. So we have to be careful, you know, I think in choosing music, we want good quality music and recognizing what's the purpose of music at Mass. It's the glory of God. It's to give glory to God and to sanctify the faithful. So it should be something holy. It shouldn't be like just regular pop music or something. It needs to be sacred. It's, it's, it should be directed to worship. That's why trying to adapt secular tunes to music at mass that's not right sometimes at weddings they want to use some pop song about love and it's not allowed mm. it's not about just something that one likes it's about praise of god that's what liturgical music should be so i think it's important to know what the documents of the church say about liturgy you know i'll be honest i think we need to, we can do a much better job in many of our parishes from my experience as far as music is concerned mm -hmm. i think we can take a step up move a step up in the quality of music but of course that takes resources mm -hmm. uh finding finding musicians who have the talent i'm really grateful to so many of the people in choirs and who serve as canners in our parishes many of them do it as volunteer work mm -hmm. and really also encouraging the congregations to participate i'll go to some parishes where it's 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 uh, beautiful because people are singing and then I, I go to some places where no one's singing and it's really like i'm like want to just sh shake people up and say come on <laughs> you know it's the you know we should be joyfully praising the lord yeah you know what is it, it was sake uh, saint augustine said to to, to sing belongs to lovers hmm. and the ancient proverb one who sings well prays twice yeah it's a sign of joy in our hearts so i would hope that care be taken when it comes to the choice of music and also to recognize the treasures that we have and not to let them go another question do you have a favorite hymn i have so many favorite hymns that it's kind of hard. Um, <laughs> I would probably say the Ave Verum Corpus. Okay. Mozart's arrangement of it. It is short, beautiful, Eucharistic hymn. Uh -huh. Goes back to the Middle Ages. I love the uh, Mozart composition, but I also love the lyrics. Now it's in Latin, but it's pretty short. So do we have time for me to... 
sing it you, for us to, uh, you don't want to hear me sing <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you should get a recording of it to play on the next show i'll see what i can do yeah it's not that long get mozart's version okay because it's beautiful but it, i'll just say how it begins it begins with the words in latin ave verum corpus natum de maria virgine it means hail true body born of the virgin mary Hmm. reminding us that the body of Christ that we're receiving the Eucharist is the same body born of the Blessed Mother. Yeah. And then it says, and these are really powerful words, vere passum, having truly suffered, immolatum in cruce pro homine, sacrificed on the cross for mankind, cuius latus perforatum, fluxit aqua et sanguine, from whose pierced side water and blood flowed. Esto nobis pregustatum in mortis examine. Be for us a foretaste of the heavenly banquet in the trial of death. And then it ends, O Jesu dulcis, O sweet Jesus, O Jesu pie, O holy Jesus, O Jesu fili Marie, O Jesus son of Mary, miserere mei, have mercy on me. Amen. Amen. Very beautiful. simple, beautiful words expressing the truth of the Eucharist and the way Mozart's composition, you kind of feel like you're in heaven. Do you have that played at very many diocesan events? Yeah, I do. Masses? At times I'll, I'll recommend, I'll say, why don't you sing the Ave Verum Corpus? It's normally uh -huh. something that w is at communion time or maybe sometimes after Holy Communion. It's also beautiful during exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. I mean, there's other beautiful hymns. I mean, the Adoro Te Devote by St. Thomas Aquinas, the Pange Lingua, which we sing on Holy Thursday. There's O Sacrum Convivium. I love a lot of these beautiful Eucharistic motets and hymns. Then there's some that are more popular that are translated into the vernacular. Well, some of those are translated in the vernacular. For example, the Pange Lingua has been translated into English. The Panis Angelicus, that's, that's another favorite of people. But then there's, I think, lyrics that especially give praise and honor to God, to the Holy Trinity, and not just centered around us in the lyrics. Mm -hmm. You know, a really robust to Jesus Christ, our sovereign King, as an entrance hymn, for example, or a recessional hymn. I mean, it's just very strong. Yeah. The, you know, I've asked, and most parishes do this, I said, confirmations to sing the Come Holy Ghost with vigor, uh -huh. with the organ. There's a certain majesty about it, which it kind of raises our, our minds to heaven. They're strong hymns. So I don't want us to lose that tradition, that treasury of Catholic hymnody that we have. And you're not necessarily suggesting that everything needs to be upbeat. There's a proper tempo for different right. songs and different prayers. Uh, but that we sing it like we mean it, like we actually mean the words there, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, think of something like, let all mortal flesh keep silence. That's almost a mystical, when it's sung well. Hmm. That's not like a triumphant kind of hymn, but it's it, it has a depth to it, both the words and the melody. Let all mortal flesh keep silence. So it doesn't have to be something that's done with trumpets and everything, no. 
I mean, sometimes there could be no instrumentation. It could be beautiful, sung a cappella. You know, I'm talking about the traditional Catholic hymns. There's also good contemporary Catholic music by contemporary authors. But again, we always need to check that the lyrics mm-hmm. truly do express our Trinitarian faith, that they are directed to God, that if they're Eucharistic, that it's the true theology of the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, yeah. We could go on and on talking about uh, hymns and, and songs. All right. Well, thank you so much, Bishop. This has been another great episode of Truth and Charity. And before we go, could we get your Episcopal blessing? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for underwriting this program. Since Bishop Rhodes talked about his favorite hymn in this episode, we would like to end the show by sharing it with you. Here's Mozart's rendition of Ave Verum Corpus. (laughs) 